This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Steve Vickers in Christian Life Church in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit ChristianLifeChurch.com. We're starting a new series today called Managing Your Life. And we're going to deal with how we can reach the potential that God has given us. Sometimes we feel like, you know, I, I'm just not doing what I could be doing. There's so much more inside me. Do you ever think I could do more with my life? Are you ever haunted by the thought that you are not living up to your potential? Have you ever felt like you're wasting your life? Can you relate to this statement? I know I can do more with my life. Really, actually, I feel like I'm supposed to, but I really don't know where to start or what to do. Uh, You know, perhaps you're someone that has just given up and perhaps a long time ago and decided just to get your head out of the clouds, get your feet on the ground and get real with life and, you know, and let your, quit letting yourself dream and start living a life that you got to live. But if you did allow yourself to dream for just a moment, it would take you somewhere other than where you are. You've learned to live your life with unfulfilled dreams and desires. So this series over the next few weeks throughout the rest of the month of August, we're going to deal with this issue. How do I manage my life? Now, I know uh, the term managing doesn't sound very exciting, but I chose it on purpose. I chose it for a reason. And as we go through this teaching, you're going to begin to understand why we chose that term, managing. Uh, you know, there's leadership and there's management, and it needs, and everything needs both. Every organization needs leadership, but it also needs management. And leadership can have a vision, a dream, a desire, a goal, but without management, they'll never get there because management is what makes it happen. It's the take. It's the utilizing of all the resources to accomplish what a is the purpose of the organization. So I encourage you, don't miss a single message on this teaching. Don't miss a single one. Uh, I'm going to put into your hands a roadmap that you can use to get from where you are to where you really would like to be. And here's the thing, it doesn't matter how old or young you are, You may be just starting out. You may feel like, well, I'm at the end. What difference does it make? You know, I've lived my life and and that's it. Well, actually, you're still alive. And you've still got a life to live. It isn't over. So why give up on it? Why did you quit before the race was finished? I know You could say, well, I didn't quit on God. Well, we're not talking about that right now. We're talking about on your life and the dreams, the potential, the goals, the desires, the purpose of why you're here. 
Every one of us have a God-given purpose. Every one of us had God-given abilities. And we have dreams and desires that perhaps they have long since gone, but they're still there deep inside us. And so I want to help you to recapture that. And I really want to put in your hands a roadmap in these next few weeks so that you can take something you can take and you can chart a course from where you are to where you would really like to be. Listen, you've got one life. Why not live it to the utmost? Why not make the most out of it? And do you know, you can take the last, some of you, maybe you say, well, I'm on the other side of the hill. Well, I'm going to tell you what, the rest of the hill can be the best ride yet. If you decide it's going to be. All right. Now I've got to get my tablet working here. All right. I want to, this teaching that we're doing, I'm going to take it out of Matthew chapter 25, uh, the parable of the talents is what it's known as. And we're going to pull from that this series over the next few weeks on managing your life. We're going to begin in Matthew 25, verse 14. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a trip. He called together his servants and gave them money to invest for him while he was gone. Let me read that last sentence again. He called together his servants and he gave them his money, some of his money, to invest for him while he was gone. He gave five bags of gold to one and two bags of gold to another and one bag of gold to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities and then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of gold began immediately to invest the money and soon doubled it. The servant with two bags of gold also went right to work and doubled the money. But the servant who received one bag of gold dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money for safekeeping. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of gold said, Sir, you gave me five bags of gold to invest, and I have doubled the amount. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Next came the servant who had received the two bags of gold with the report, Sir, You gave me two bags of gold to invest, and I have doubled the amount. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of gold came and said, Sir, I know you are a hard man. 
harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth, and here it is. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. You think I'm a hard man, do you? Harvesting crops that I didn't plant and gathering crops I didn't cultivate? Well, you should have at least put my money into the bank so I could have some interest. Take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of gold. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. They will have an abundance. For from those who are unfaithful, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Whoa. Someone could say, well, what does that mean? I don't want to find out. All right. <clears throat> We're talking about our subject or our title of this series is managing your life. Now, in there, there we're talking about it. Jesus gives the illustration of a man giving some gold, some of his gold to his servants to invest, and, and uh, they each one does something with it except for one. Uh, two of them get out and use it in some way and cause it to be productive, and it doubles in amount. The other one, he uh, decides to hide it so that nothing's lost. He doesn't invest it. He doesn't use it. He just keeps it to make sure that it's still safe. Now there, Jesus used the example of money, but it all relates to life. And so we're talking about managing your life, but we're going to start with this, that it all belongs to God anyway. In Psalm 24, verse 1, I'm having to get used to this tablet here. Forgive me. In Psalm 24, verse 1, it says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. Now, this is not saying that every person that is in the world is a Christian because we become a Christian only by faith in Christ. And that makes us a part of the family of God. But every person on earth does belong to God. They were created by him ultimately. And every good thing they have in their life came from him. him. We are a part of the family of God, but we're also a part of the family of man. Every good thing that you and I have in our life has come from God. Any good thing that you can think of in your life, you didn't create it, your mom and dad didn't create it, friends didn't give it to you, God gave it to you. Every good thing 
Now, I emphasize good. The bad things in our life, God doesn't give those. I know that some of you have heard that, that you know, God blesses and he curses. He gives and he takes away. He does all of that. Well, that's just the opinions of men and they put them in songs and it sounds good. But the truth is, every good thing comes from God. You read Genesis uh, chapter 1 there, when God was creating everything. What does it say about every time God made something? It says God saw it, that it was good. God saw it, and it was So you see, God is good. And everything God does is good. See? God is good, and everything he does is good. And so all that we have... Every good thing in our life, it has come from God. Our abilities, the time we have on earth, our life, our ability to think, to reason, to dream, to imagine, to learn, and to do. These are all gifts from God. Isn't that amazing? We have the ability to dream. We have the ability to imagine. We have the ability to think. We have the ability to dream and to do things. These gifts are truly amazing. And think about the inventions that they have created. Think about the things that man has created in the world. We watched, Denise and I watched a movie uh, yesterday afternoon called Gravity. Uh, and it's, it's out there, you know, it's about them being at a space station and all this. And here they are out there, you know, uh, out in space, orbiting around the world in something man put out there. I'll tell you what, it's phenomenal, the things that the mind of man has been able to do. As the Bible says, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. In other words, you are full of wonder. As a matter of fact, you are really wonderful. Why don't you say with me, I am wonderful. I I know some of you have been trying, those guys have been trying to tell their wives that for a long time. Now listen, all of these gifts that we have, they actually belong to God. They're not ours. They belong to God. You know, our time, our life, our talents, our abilities, our thoughts, our ability to dream, our ability to think, our ability to do some things, they all belong to God. They are ours to use while we're here on earth, and they were given to us for a purpose, that our lives might be fruitful and useful and productive in the earth. Listen to Genesis 1.28. It says, Then God blessed them and God said, Be fruitful. With those words, be fruitful, God blessed every human being on the planet. He blessed all of mankind with the ability to be productive with our lives and with all that He has given us. But it is also a command, a responsibility that He gave us with those words. Be fruitful. It is a promise and it is a command. I believe that there is no limit. I'm, there is no limit to what man can accomplish on earth. I don't think there's any limit that God has set. We look at what has been accomplished. You look at all the things that have happened. Uh, 
Just think about it. The things that we're doing today, a hundred years ago, if you sat down and talked with the average person and you talked to them about a cell phone, you talked to them about a tablet, you talked to them about a computer, about uh, a space station, they would believe you are literally crazy. It would be impossible. They would say, that cannot happen. Uh, I remember uh, reading an article that said uh, it was written back uh, when uh, they were just developing the trains, the locomotives. And someone uh, said, you know, they talked about putting them in a uh, uh, rail systems in uh, cities for commuter travel. And the article said, isn't that ridiculous? Because it is said that they can, those trains, those vehicles, those carriages on iron wheels can reach the unbelievable speed of 20 miles an hour, 25 miles an hour. And the human body cannot handle that for extended periods of time. They ought to drive home with you, shouldn't they? Isn't it amazing? But see, what they called limitations back then, what they called impossible, we call normal today. What if we, you and I, were able to fast forward 100 years from now? What do you think the world would be like? Oh, it's not going to be much different. I think we've kind of reached the limit. I don't believe there is any limit. On this earth, the sky is the limit. You know, they're even already booking people for a flight to Mars to uh, go stay there. It's a one-way flight. <laughs> but they really are. I believe that in our dreams, our imagination, and our ideas. Now listen to me. God speaks ever so softly, endeavoring to get us to recognize our potential. I believe that even as children, God begins to seed us, and that's why I appreciate our kid life and what's going on in there and our team meeting, what's going on there and there. As young people, especially really young uh, people, children, and, you know, they're so open and they're not, they're not setting the adult limitations that we've allowed life and circumstances and our own choices to set upon us. And so they dream, they have an imagination. As a matter of fact, a lot of their play is in an imaginary environment, isn't it? They're developing that, uh, that muscle, that, that creative genius, that imagination that God gave every one of us to be able to dream. And while we're talking about what can't be done, they're dreaming of things that can be done. They're dreaming, dreaming of other worlds and other things. And I know a lot of it is fantasy, but I'll tell you what. In their time when they're sleeping or in their, just in things that are going on in life, I believe God, and in your childhood, God planted and put in you and began to speak to you about some things that he wanted to do with your life and about the potential that is inside of you. If you and I sat down and we spoke for a little bit and we talked about uh, your life, and I began to ask you, share with me thoughts and dreams and ideas that you had when you were young. I guarantee you every one of you could begin to share with me things that are totally different and beyond where you are. 
And I know some of them, you could say, well, that's not realistic. It's not, you know, uh, but I'll guarantee you, there are seeds of your purpose and your potential inside there. We decide, not God, not our parents, not our friends, not anyone else, and not our circumstances. We individually, you and I, make the decision of how far we're going to go in life and what we're going to do with what we have been given. And now listen to me. The gifts of God are without repentance. In other words, when God gives you something, he does not take it back. Some people say, well, if you don't use it, you'll lose it. Not in God. It's there. And you'll have to give it back on the day when we all stand before God. But you also got to give him a return on it. Some people say, well, you know, physical limitations They keep me from doing everything I want to do. I can show you people that are paraplegics that are doing tremendous things. Look at Stephen Hawkins. You don't know who he is, maybe, but he's a brilliant man, a scientist, and and he has written, I've got several of his books, the things he's written, a brilliant man. You look at uh, Jody, Joni, the... Yes, you got it right. Thank you. Uh, you win the prize. Uh, Tata, what's her name? Johnny Erickson Tata, yeah. You remember she was a young girl and she dove in the water there in California at the beach and hit her head on a rock, and I believe it was, and, she, uh, and severed her, uh, her, her spinal column, and she's paralyzed, you know? And she paints... Beautiful pictures with her mouth. She puts the brush in her mouth because she can move her head and she paints. And I'm not talking about something that looks like, you know, I put together. It's beautiful art. If she was here, she'd tell you there is no limitation physically that can keep you from achieving phenomenal things. Some of you think, well... Because of my gender, because of my race, because of my uh, education, because of all of these things, I'll never be able to attain my dream. Well, if an education will keep you from attaining your dream, go get an education. I read, I saw an article the other day, I say the other day, it's been a while back, of a lady in her 80s that graduated from college. She was the oldest student ever to have graduated from that college, oldest one to ever register. And she went through a four-year training and got her degree. They asked her, said, well, why would you want that? Because see, here's what man thinks. Here's where the world tries to hold you captive. The world will say, why in the world would you get a degree? It's too late for you to do anything. Well, somebody forgot to tell Colonel Sanders that when at the age of 72, he decided he was going to make go into business for himself and he started trying to find somebody that would take his recipe. Nobody would. Nobody would buy it. So he just did it himself. Kentucky Fried Chicken, thank you very much. And you've probably had a bucket. 
at 72. See, that gives someone like me hope. But they asked that lady, why would you go to college, get a degree in your 80s? She said, because I've always wanted to. I like her get up and go. I like that about her. You know, I don't want to give up on life before life is over. I don't want to quit living before life finishes. You and I make the decision of how far we're going to go. You are right now as far as you've decided to go. You say, no, it's my husband, my wife. It's the hurts that have happened in my life. It's the circumstances. It's this is, I've been done wrong, or I've been held down, or I've been this, I've been that. You know what? Somewhere in your life, you've got to quit being a victim and be, decide to be a person that is in charge of your life. Quit letting circumstances rule. If you're a victim, you have surrendered your life to everything else. Why do that? Why not get off your all fours, stand up on your hind legs, and say, I am a human being. I have a right to be and to do as much as anyone on this planet. No longer will I be limited by my color, by my gender, by my education, by my age, or anything else. I'm going to do something. Our abilities, our potential is phenomenal. Now, I've heard it said, and I don't know if it's true. I can't back it up. But I've heard it said that we only use 10% of our brain power. Well, if now, you know, I don't know that that's true. Now, to me, it's kind of a, I kind of wonder about that. Because if we only use 10%, then you could take 90% away and everybody would be able to still function, but that's not the case. I don't really know. But I think what they're saying in that is that there is so much more potential inside the human brain. Now, in one of these series, we're going to deal with your greatest limiting factor. The bridle, the bit, the wall that is your greatest limiting factor you deal with. And I'm not going to tell you what it is, but I'm going to tell you what, you don't want to miss it. Because when you find it out, you're going to be able to climb that wall, knock it down, go through it, whatever you need to. You'll take the bit and bridle out of your mouth and you'll go as far as you want to go. But listen to me. There is no limit to the potential. Only God knows the limit. And let me say it again. On earth, on this earth, you read there in Genesis, when God created man, he said to him, be fruitful, multiply, take dominion. You know what, God, there's no place there. He, he limited man. He never said in any of that, you can go this far, but no further. You can do this much, but no more. You can think this way, but no better. This is as far as man will go. No, God said, do it. Go for it. Go for it. Listen, if you've got a dream, a desire, an idea, a concept, don't listen to those that say, oh, you better not. Just get a real job. I remember when my son Stephen had the dream of music. And uh, 
he was writing songs and playing music and doing all of this. And, and he would tell his mother and I, would say, I'm going to be a, a, a rock star. I'm going to be a superstar. And we never once said, Stephen, that's crazy. Never once did we say, Stephen, you come on, get your feet on the ground. You got to get a real job. We told him, son, if you can dream it and you're willing to go for it, you can do it. Because there is no limit to what God can do through someone who simply believes and is willing to do what it takes to do it. Well, you know what? He moved to L.A. and uh, he was out there. We moved him to L.A. It was a big deal for us, you know. Uh, not just the finances, but just giving our son out there at 18 years of age to move out to L.A. Because L.A.'s a big town. And we'd heard all the stories. And, and people thought we were crazy. Relatives, family thought we were crazy. But you know what? I've always, Denise and I have always been dreamers and we believe in dreams. And we love to be around people that dream and believe and reach for. You know, I think Montgomery needs that. I think Montgomery is in, in dire need of a vision, of a dream, of a, you know what, if we quit bickering over our differences and quit and finally quit fighting over our racial differences and get some common goals, some common dreams, that'll be better for all of us. Maybe we could get past all this. But Stephen went out there, you know, he did all that, and people were telling us all along, you know, even when we talk about it. Now, if we talked about it in L.A., people said, fantastic. When we got back to Montgomery and talked about it, they just kind of rolled their eyes, and they wouldn't say anything out of respect for Denise. Now, some did say some things, like, uh, one guy would say to me, when are you going to tell that boy yours to get a real job and get his feet on the ground? I said, I'm going to tell you what. You know what? He just doesn't want to be like you. Amen. And he said, well, you need to, you know, you need to do that. But you know what? Stephen was success. He did some things out there. He had a song. How many of you have? He had a song in the top 200 in the United States. How many of you have done that? He, had the, he is the only unsigned artist that there's a station in Atlanta, Top 40 Station, they have never played an unsigned artist song except for Stephen. The only one. I mean, uh, he's done some things. But, you know, isn't God something? He calls me from Nashville. We moved there because his, uh, the uh, producer had moved from L.A. to Nashville and uh, developed a studio there, and he wanted Stephen to go there to be close to him instead of flying from L.A. to Nashville all the time. So Stephen moved to Nashville, and they lived in a beautiful little place called Spring Hill, beautiful little community. And, and uh, <clears throat> uh, But Stephen calls me from Nashville after, you know, he's been on a fast and really seeking God and everything. And, you know, he wasn't looking for something because music was failing, God began to stir him and say, there's even something more. So he calls me and he says, Dad, I believe I'm supposed to be in the ministry. And I was wondering, my heart's there in CLC in Montgomery. 
And I said, come on. And look at him. And guys, I know some of you don't like the music. And you know what? It's really not about what we like anyway. You know? It's not. You know? Uh, you know, I mean, probably if I had some music, I'd play some smooth jazz and hear something like that. But how many of you would get up and worship to that? You know? Come on, let's get real. You're, we're so petty, aren't we? We get so petty. We just, you know what? It's because we're afraid. We're a, we've never launched out to pursue our dreams, so we want to pick on everything that's not the way we like it. Because I'm going to tell you what, the people that are fussing about where they are are people that are not going somewhere. When you're going somewhere, you're not concerned with where you are because you're not staying there. Are you with me in this? You know, that I talked, spoke about, see, why is Stephen doing this today? When he was a little kid, when I would go tuck him in at night and kiss his face and speak the blessing of God over him. And I did that for all my kids. Every night I'd go up, you know. And, and the funny thing, when I go into Denise's room, she was the last one. She was the youngest. And so I'd go down and get in bed. And Denise said, you tuck them all in? I said, yeah, I tucked them all in. I, she said, did you kiss him? I said, I kissed their face. Did you pray over him? I prayed over him. Did you bless him? I blessed him. And she, and she said, you kissed Denise? And I said, yeah, but I'm not sure if I kissed her the back of her head or the front of her head. Because it was just a hairball. There was hair everywhere. And I couldn't figure out. I just kissed. You know, and I usually got a mouthful of hair. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but you know, when I would tuck him in sometimes, he would, he would, I'd look at him and he'd wake up and I'd say, I love you, son. He'd say, I love you, dad. And he said, I'm going to be a rock star. <laughs> and I thought, great, son. And he's just a little bitty kid. You know what? You say, that's silly. Well, you, look at him. Look at him. He's rocking for Jesus. You know, that's why the enemy works so hard to capture our thoughts. Think about it. He whispers his twisted concepts and ways into our mind. He uses every twisted thing at his disposal to capture our minds in order that he might accomplish his will and keep us from our potential. Now listen to me. I know some of you think doing the will of God means you're going to go out and preach on the street corner. You're going to go be a missionary. You're going to go uh, witness to someone. That's great. That's a part of God's will. And, you know, I'm doing God's will. But this isn't for everyone. And see, the will of God is just as real when it is to create a new business model. Case of the Fridays. It's going to work some way, somehow. Why? Because the will of God. What's the dream in your heart? See, 
when we do what God put in us, whether it's to preach or whether it's to build something or whether it's to sell insurance, David, or whatever it may be, if we do that and we take that potential and we're the best at it, that glorifies God as much as me preaching and someone else doing something else because it's God's will. Brian playing that music up there and leading the band. See, that is as much the will of God. Fulfilling our potential as anything else. It's not as much what we do as why we're doing it. The Bible says, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. See, that's why the devil wants to capture our mind. Because he wants to hold us captive to where we'll never reach our potential. He holds people captive to fear, to self-doubt, insecurities, prejudice, greed, jealousy, pride, and the cravings of the flesh. But God liberates people to dream, to believe and to do good with what they have. Now see, everything we've got, God has given us. Everything, all that's within us is the potential, is a potential from God. There is no limit to what you can do. There's no limit. I just buried a dear friend of mine, actually a pastor, that I was his pastor. A man 52 years of age. That's not right. But here's the thing. God didn't cause that. Because the Bible says death did not come by God, it came by man. God's not the author of death, man is. But I shared with the people, I said we all want to live a long life. But I have learned at 67 years of age that it's not the years in your life that matters, but it is the life in your years. Because you can live to be an old, old man or an old woman and never do anything with your life. See, when we stand before God, all of a sudden, how long we lived is not the issue. It's what we did while we lived that becomes the issue. And what Jesus tells us here, that it is, it is really about what did I do with the potential God gave me? What did I do with this ability, the ability to think, to dream, to imagine, to reason, to do my talents, whatever they are? What did I do with them? Did I take them and, and, and give them to God, but give them to reaching their full potential? I know this, it's better to have a life well lived than a life long lived. 
Now, I'd like to have both. But if I have to choose, I want a life well lived. If I have to choose, I want to do something with the time I have instead of waiting for something to happen. Why are you waiting on a door to open? Go find the open door. Maybe you're the one that's supposed to make the door. Maybe you're the one that's going to create the path instead of one that's got to find a path. You know, there are path finders, but there's also path builders. Quit letting limitations that you've agreed to, that you've surrendered to, that you've imposed upon yourself. Quit allowing them to determine how far you will go. Make up your mind. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. God has given me tremendous potential. I'm going to use it. I'm going to do the most with it. I can. I'm going to dream again. I'm going to have imagination again. Last, listen, the last day I live, I pray. I pray the last day I live, I still have a dream. I pray I still have something to live for. I pray I still have something to reach for. I pray I still have something to get up for. Don't lose yours. So, there's so much more we can say about this, but I guess we need to just bring to this question. And it is, knowing all of this, Realizing that God gave you all this potential and that it's unlimited. The question then is, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? Are you going to squander it? Are you going to waste it? Are you going to allow your own limitations and the fears and the hurts? And are you going to allow your past to determine your future? Or are you going to make a decision that this is a new starting point for me? Right now, today, at this moment, it's a new starting point. I told the minister's wife, I said, you're going to have to create a new normal. And I said, and once you do, that's the starting point for your new life. Because here's what you owe to God. You owe him living your life. And I said, you'll have to grieve and go through grief. But somewhere along the, at the other side of grief, you're going to find a new normal and you're going to build from there. Now listen. No matter what's happened in your past, no matter whether you've failed, whether you've done all kinds of bad things or maybe you feel like you're not worthy, that's a decision you make. God didn't make that decision because God sent His Son to die for you. And if He sent His Son to die for you, evidently God says you are worthy. So why not let God's opinion of you be what you go by instead of other people's opinion and your own opinion? Realize you are loved. Everybody else may hate you, but God loves you. And God has a plan for you. And God gave you good things, and he wants you to do good things, and he wants you to dream, and he wants you to attain your dream. He wants you to rise to your full potential. 
to young ladies, listen to me, at Wellspring. That's why the enemy wanted to trap you in all kinds of things and hold you back and, and get you into things you know, of the flesh or of the all kinds of stuff. Why? Because he knows in every one of you is an unbelievable potential to make a difference in this world. And I'm so glad you've got a brand new start. And I just want to tell the devil, he better watch out. And look out, world, here they come. But that's true for any of us. It's true for all of us. Hey, listen, I'm not quitting. I'm not retiring. I'm looking at, okay, God, what do you got next? Let's do something. Let's build something. Let's accomplish something. Let's do something with our life. Well, there's a first step. There's a first step. And that first step for some of you will be to actually surrender your life to Jesus Christ and submit to him and just say, Jesus, I give you my life. Because see, until then, there's self-limitations that really hold us back. But he's come. Listen to what he said. I've come that you might have life that you might have it more abundantly. We have a place called First Step. It's a little room up there where we have some ministers that uh, people would love to talk to you and pray with you. If you would like to just talk with someone about that. If you're not sure if you've ever done that or maybe there was a time in your life years ago that you submitted your life to Jesus, but you say, you know, a lot of stuff is going on and I'm not sure about our relationship. Just go up there and talk with the guys. It's private. They'll sit down with you and talk with you and pray with you. They'll give you some materials to help you. We'd love for you to do it right after the service. As everyone's going out, you just stop in that room and talk with those guys. Or if you need prayer for something else, you can go ahead and do that. But for all of us, I want to say this. Why don't you make today a new start? I don't care how much you've accomplished, how much you've done. I don't care how far you've gone. And you feel like, well, I'm, I'm very successful. I'm, I'm doing great. I promise you this. There's so much more. There's so much more. And there's no limit to what you can accomplish. There's no limit to what you can do. Who knows? Inside you could be the cure for cancer. Inside you could be the cure for AIDS. Inside you could be an invention, the next big one that changes the world. But I do know this, inside you is phenomenal potential for amazing good. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit ChristianLifeChurch.com.